Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Father God, we love you tonight. We adore you tonight, and we're just so grateful to be in your presence, to be in your house, to be in Bethel, the place where you dwell, the place where you come and visit us, the place where we ask you to come and meet us over and over again. Your church, this is your house. You love your church, and we are excited and glad to be in your church. The Bible said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We are glad. We are excited to step and enter into the house of the Lord. You were the sacrifice that made it possible for us to come to the throne of grace boldly to get the mercy and grace we need. So, Father, how dare we come into your house timid? How dare we come into your house afraid? How dare we come into your house not asking and not expecting for you to meet us and move on your people? So, God, we ask you to move on us tonight. Father, we ask you to speak to us tonight. Father, we ask for you, uh, for you to minister a word that will penetrate the hearts of your people tonight. Do only what you can do. Speak through us. Use me for your glory so that I may declare the mysteries of the kingdom in a simple and profound way. So that your people's lives can be changed. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Let every heart say. Amen. 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 So if you can, uh, as we enter into Bible study, uh, let everyone come on in. Uh, Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. And we're going to get right into the word. I have a word for you. It's a simple word, but it's a profound word. I, I, I feel like God has given me a unique ability to make things that people may complicate Uh, God has given me a unique ability to make them seem very simple, break it down, make it plain. And and in my earlier days, I'm just giving y'all a little insider secrets here. In my earlier days, I would try to make the word more complicated so I can sound more profound and deep. Um, And the older I get, you know, a friend of mine said, he's like, man, dude, you preached a profound message. I was like, dude, I I really, I feel like I just, I could have did. He's like, dude, you made something that was very complex, simple, and digestible. And so I I believe that's a gift, and I believe that we need more people in the house of the Lord to to encourage each other and say, man, you know what? You did something that may seem complex to other people, and you made it look simple. Amen? Amen. Uh, Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start at verse 19, and we're going to read several verses of Scripture, as we always do. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and whatever transliteration that you have, you can just follow along or follow along with us on the screens. If you have it, say, I got it. If you need some more time, say, I need a little more time. All right, amen. Here we go. Uh, Ready? And I will read. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart 
in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As you see the day approaching. You may have your seats. The topic of tonight's teaching is why we need church. Why we need church. Uh, this kind of started um, in our youth ministry meetings as we prepare for the Children's Church and Youth Ministry open house on Sunday. Woo! Uh, we can't wait to see all of you as we get ready to relaunch and, and just go back into the deep and grab your kids and snatch your youth uh, out of darkness and out of everything that they were in that's not like God uh, and get them back. So this started in a youth meeting, and we were talking about how, how a lot of things that we learned as young adults, we are doing today. And we learned them when we were youth, or we learned when we were children, right? So Friday Night Live opened up an avenue, an opportunity for us as young people to work the cameras, to work the lights, to, to be the praise and worship team, to be in the band, to, to be a camera director and work up in the video booth. And a lot of the young people that started, they're doing that now, right? Uh, Evan and Christina, they were youth at that time. I didn't, sorry to put y'all on blast, but y'all up there. They were, they were youth. They were youth leaders. I was, you know, I was born here. So I, I you know, I, I, came up through the ranks, right? I, I did not want to sing not one bit. I loathed singing. I used to play the drums. My, my thing was on the drums. I thought I was going to be like one of the next uh, drum uh, uh, artists for, for Fred Hammond or Ty Trivet or something like that. Like, that was, my, that was my goal. My parents so happened to hear me uh, mocking somebody singing, and they was like, boy, you can sing. After that, my mom tried to bribe me to sing all the time. I didn't want to do it. But it takes being in the church, being in the house of God for people to notice gifts, talents and abilities that you have and say, here, do that. Here, do this. Here, do that. And now look at all of us that are doing the things that God has called and commissioned for us to do because we started in the church. And so as I was thinking about that, then I began to watch some um, uh, there's a series that uh, the Jew three project has where. Um, Lisa Fields, she interviews young people, my age, millennials, who don't go to church anymore. She interviews them. At first, she just listens. She's an apologetic. I mean, she, she studies. She has a master's in theology. Uh, she went to seminary school. She is, I mean, learned, studied, knows the Bible. And she just sat there through multiple sessions of videos and just listened to these young people give their experience on church. A lot of them talked about what they experienced during COVID and how they felt the church didn't have enough resource for the people and the church didn't do this and the church didn't do that. Or maybe they went to a church and the leadership wasn't who they said they were. Or the pastor preached one thing, but he was living another way. 
or the, the members said they cared about you, but there was never any real sense of fellowship and community. Or uh, one of the ladies, her husband worked in ministry and he would come home and he would talk about all the mess that was going on. Another lady, she went to this particular church and the pastor fell into multiple scandals. These are some of the things that people are dealing with. And these are some of the tactics and ways the enemy uses to prevent us from attending church and, and prevent us from believing the importance of the church. One of the things that COVID, I believe, one of the things that COVID did was it took us out of the physical building. So people thought that there was no need for the physical building anymore because we were streaming, we were online, we can do e-groups, we can do all these other things. Well, this just a building. Why do we even have buildings anymore? So then you had people that professed to be Bible-toting believers thinking that the building is no longer necessary for us to be Christians. I want somebody to say, that's wrong. If you believe it, that's, that's wrong. It's wrong. And I'm going to break it down to you. We're going to start very simple here. We're going to start with just Hebrews chapter 10. And then on Sunday, we're going to dive into it a little bit more because I want you all to, to know why we do the things that we do and not just do them out of religious tradition. A lot of people were attending church. This is what COVID did as well. A lot of people had just got in the habit of attending church. So your body, your biological clock said it's Sunday. Y'all know we're going to church. Meanwhile, Monday through Saturday, you have lived like the devil's sidekick. And then when your child or young adult or young teen gets older, they don't want to go to church because it did not work for you because you wasn't living like you went to church. I'm going to step on some toes here, but, but it's, it's going to be all right. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's, it's going to be all right. You know, just curl your toes up, all right, because we, we're going we're gonna to go there, but we have to go there so that we can be better. Okay? All right, so. The scripture here is talking about in light of what Jesus did. If you understand uh, the Hebraic text here and you go back and, and I don't have time to do it right now, but if you go back and you study it for yourself, you, you, you understand what's happening here. So it says here, in light of what Jesus did, in light of what Jesus did, right, uh, 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 we having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. So here it's talking about we have, we can come to, to church. We can come to the, the sanctuary. We can come to God's house through the veil. It's like if you were to step in through this door, the door is closed. But when someone opens the door for you, that is what the veil, like the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. The veil was torn. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn so that now we can enter without there being any blockage. We can enter into God's presence without there being any blockage, without there being some set of rules or without there being some set of things that you have to do to prepare yourself to get there. Jesus is the way. Amen. His flesh and having high priest over us by a new living way, which he consecrated us through the veil, that is his flesh, his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is symbolic of baptism. 
Okay, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Every time Jesus makes a promise, don't you know that if he said it, he's going to do it. It's just a matter of time from the seed that is planted until we see the harvest. The Bible says as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall be there. The sun still rises and the moon still rules the night. Just as Jesus spoke at the beginning, things are still happening the way he intended for them back then. That's how I know that he's faithful. That's how I know that he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Because if he healed back then, I know he's healing now. If he did it before, he can do it again. Y'all with me? And then it says, and let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. We as a body of believers cannot live a selfish faith. I'm going to say that again. We cannot live a selfish kind of faith. You, oh man, you cannot go through something traumatic or go through something in your mind or go through something spiritually and not inform a brother or sister in Christ. It's unacceptable. And it it leaves room for the enemy to get in. Because then the moment you don't tell someone and the other day you said that you were blessed and highly favored. Because this is what we do. We've been in church for a while. Right. So then if you're blessed and highly favored and your people that are around you don't really know what's going on, because all you do is talk uh, Christianese and you buck and shout and you and you quicken at the sound of somebody saying something semi spiritual. The moment that you don't hear from them for a short period of time, guess what the enemy does? He plants seeds of discord. He plants seeds of doubt. He plants seeds of anxiety. He plants seeds of discouragement. You're like, wow, I guess that church really don't love me. I guess they really not my family. I guess I'm just in this by myself. And that's when the enemy creeps in. And then it goes from one week not going to church to two weeks to three weeks. Folk calling you now. But the devil's already planted seeds in your mind. And you, you can't be, you cannot be persuaded. And it goes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes seasons where people are not seen because they did not see the value of community. Let us consider one another. We have to consider one another. When you come into the house of God, you have to consider your brothers and sisters. That's why we ask you to, you know, look semi-decent. We don't have strict dress codes here, but we, we ask you to consider one another. Consider one another. Can I give you another inside secret? After I'm done preaching, I like to pop some kind of mint or Ricola in my mouth because I want to consider you. Amen. 
consider, I, I, I present myself in a way that is pleasing, not just to my wife and to God, but to you because I consider you because we are a community. We are one body, many members. I consider you. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In this particular text, it's talking about some of the discouragement that they felt during this time. The discouragement during this particular time that this community felt. They needed encouragement. This is why the writer says, don't forsake the assembly together and consider one another and stir each other up in love. Stir each other up in love and good works because that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus, if you have Jesus in your heart, you're not going to be bitter and you're not going to have the stank face all the time. You're going to exude his love. Because you know that he loved you. Amen? One another. He's speaking of a mutual activity. One in which believers encourage one another. Not necessarily always where the leader instructs you and tells you what to do. Pastors and leaders should not always have to tell you, love on one another, y'all. Encourage one another, y'all. Hug your neighbor, y'all. Call somebody, y'all. I mean, some of the things that we have in place are actually ridiculous when we think about the grand scheme of things. If we are truly the body of Christ, if we are truly the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are some things that we don't have to have in place. We shouldn't have to, hey, elders and deacons, did y'all call the saints? I might get in trouble for this. We shouldn't have to have uh, love and action reports. Because the members and the body of believers in the community that we have here should know. Yeah, man, I talked to such and such the other day. Yeah, man, Elder James always called me. Yeah, Elder Alicia, they always do that. Yeah, Dignus Kimmy, I always hear from her. Yeah, when I'm going through something, I can, you know who I can count on? I can always count on so-and-so to reach out to me. That's what the testimony of this house, of every church should be if we truly believe the Bible. In the wording here, it says, stir up. Somebody say, stir up. Stir up is a striking term. It means incitement. Incitement. This means it in the good sense. When you stir someone up, right? See, I, I, I kind of get this from my mom. We are instigators. <laughs> you know, if something's about to go down, I'll be like, oh, man, you're going to let them talk to you like that? Man, I can't believe you did it. Man, you better, what you going to do? I am stirring that individual up. I am inciting. I am adding fuel to the flame. That is what we should do. We should be, we should be Stirring one another up in our gifts, stirring one another up in our love, stirring one another up in our encouragement, uplifting one another, uplifting each other, praying for one another. When we sense something is off, we should be praying. We should be texting. We should be calling. Hey, 
I, I was in my prayer closet and I and the spirit of discernment came upon me and I sensed this. Is everything OK? I'm not going to get in your business, but I'm just letting you know, honey, you can do it. Brother, you got this. Sister, you can go through this. Sister, God's got your back. Brother, God is with you. Don't you feel like that? Don't you think like that? These are the things that we should do because we are the church. Stirring up. Incite to provoke. To incite or provoke others in love does not mean loving just happens. Instead, we are to intentionally love those who aren't always lovable. Ooh, I knew y'all was going. I knew I was going to get some mmms on that one. We are to intentionally love those who aren't always lovable. You know, you, they came up right in your head right now. You, you think about it. Yeah, that brother is pretty difficult. My goodness. Whew, he still owe me $200. God, you want me to keep loving on? Yes. That is what we are called to do. That is what it means to be the body. Just because your foot may be in a cast don't mean you don't use it. <laughs> I can't stand this toe. This toe, you always getting injured. This foot always get. You, you need your body. You don't get upset with yourself. I'm not going to eat today because I can't believe I broke my elbow. Ridiculous. You still need to fuel yourself. You, the body still needs nutrients. The body still needs attention. And sometimes what we do in the church is we try to neglect the arm because we had an attitude. Because they didn't speak to us. Because they sat in your seat. They stole your parking spot. They didn't call you when your cat died. You have 12 cats. They didn't know. We have to mature into the place and space where we are loving the people who are hard to love. We are showing grace to the people who, who our grace has ran out. <laughs> but thank God, the Bible says, his mercy is new every morning. Our wick may run quickly. But I'm so grateful that God does not treat me the way that sometimes I treat other people. I'm so glad God has a longer fuse. <laughs> God has more patience. He has more grace. He has more mercy than I even have on myself. Some of y'all beat yourselves up so much. When God is waiting with his arms open wide for you to come to him with your problems. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know when you get some good rest, when you accomplish all the stuff on your to-do list and it's no longer stressing you out. God wants you to give that stuff to him so he can give you rest. Love here, love here is the ancient Greek word 
agape, a term that we've heard many, many times. Agape is it's it's filled with significance by the New Testament. And one theologian says love needs stimulation. Love needs stimulation and society. Faith and hope can sometimes be practiced in solidarity. But love is only possible in community. You, you, you need your love to be stimulated. You need a society of people around you to stimulate the love. A lot of people talk about this church when they come here. It's like, I just felt the love because it is a community. It is a society of people who all are thinking and believing the same way. And we express our love to those who come in because we want them to feel what we feel when we're in God's house. Amen. Amen. Let's get to the to the tough part. People, people try to argue this scripture up and down. People say it's not talking about coming to physical church. Uh, theologians say it is talking about coming to the physical church. Some people say, no, we can, I can meet at my house. Yeah, you can meet at your house. But guess what you also need to meet at? <laughs> God's house, okay? <laughs> people say, well, uh, the church, we are the church. Everywhere I go, I'm the church. Well, why don't you act like it? I I know it's tough. I know it sounds harsh, but we have to be real with ourselves. Well, I am the church. Well, people can't always tell with you. So you might want to bring them to a building where they can see some other people (laughs) that are all in one place, in one tabernacle, singing praises to one God. It's something about when we gather together and we're all singing the same song. It's something about when we gather together and we're all crying out in celebration to the same God. It's something, it's something about when we gather together on a specific occasion, on a specific day, that miracles, signs, and wonders break out. You want to know why? Because that's what Jesus designed it for. That's what Jesus designed it for. All right, back to my notes. Rant over for now. Forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Forsaking fellowship. Watch this. Forsaking fellowship is a sure way to give place to discouragement. Forsaking fellowship is a sure way to give place to discouragement. This discouragement, this is the kind that festers. It's the kind that lingers. This is the kind where God's people aren't exhorting and stirring up one another. That's what happens. When you forsake the assembly, when you forsake the gathering, the Bible says that, that the, the, the enemy, the devil, he, he goes around searching for whom he may devour. He, he, he seeks whom he may devour. And if you know anything about wildlife, 
They will tell you, number one, to stay with the group. <laughs> you know, we've, we've seen it in the movies or one of your favorite shows. It never fails. You always have that one. You always have that one that decides that even though they're way up in the mountains and they're on this beautiful nature hike and, and the trail is just beautiful and you can see all of the trees in the forest and oh my goodness, oh just the bears and lions and oh my goodness, it just looks so beautiful. And they just wanna be one with the earth and one with nature and they take their hiking boots off and they take all their, their hiking gear off and they take their shoes off and they're just walking around on the gravel barefoot and they say, oh guys, I'll be back. Don't worry about me. I don't really think you should do that. <laughs> I don't really think you should do that. No, 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 it's okay. Five minutes later, the movie now is not focused on the group. The movie is now focused on that individual that decided that they were going to isolate themselves from the group. And shortly thereafter, they are no longer in the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because creatures, the enemy, animals, they can spot when you are fearful and when you're isolated. Oh, they don't got nobody. This is what the devil does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they don't got nobody with them. With nobody looking out for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to plant seeds of discord. I'm going to plant seeds of fear. And as soon as that fear hits you, it's like blood in the water for a shark. Here comes the enemy. And now you're attacked. And now, I mean, I don't know if they maybe think about this while you're being attacked. It's like, man, like, where are my people at? Well, you left them. Isolation can lead you to some dark places. This is why we cannot forsake the gathering together. This is why we cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves because we are stronger together. Bible says one can chase a thousand. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Can you imagine what a room full of believers can do? Hebrews 3, Paul writes, exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Again, we can see how assembling is God's instruction for divine protection. That's good. We can see how God, his instruction for us to gather together, his instruction is for divine protection. If God puts it in the word for us to read and for us to be warned, I think we should take heed to that. Amen? When we isolate and we don't strongly encourage each other in our faith journey, our hearts are at risk of hardening. Some of you may even know, we, we talked about it in one of our leadership meetings. How do we talk to those who said this, that, and this why they left, and this why they left. What is it that you are physically doing? What is it that you are doing to get them to know what God is doing here? What are you doing individually, personally? 
we have to continue to remind our brothers and sisters why it's important that we gather together. Some only go to church if they feel they need to go. We see them. Girl, I ain't seen you in six months. Girl, I just really needed to be here today. Well, you really need to be here like every time we're gathered because there's going to be a word that comes from the pulpit. There may be a worship moment that comes from this stage. There may, be, there may be someone that you may see that may have something for you. They may want to bless you. They may want to give you a hug. They may want to say, I've been praying for you. You don't know until you come. Some people need to see your face. They need to be in your presence. They need to touch you. Our motivation for fellowship must be to obey God and give to others. Our motivation for fellowship must be to obey God and give to others. Maybe you've never heard that in church. We come to obey God and obeying God, that is our worship, right? So worship is not just singing, but worship is our giving. And then we hear the word. So it is in word and it is in worship. And then we come to give, not just money, but our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our love, our encouragement. That is what we do when we come to the house of God. I don't come and just sit. We really shouldn't have any just regular members. Oh, y'all don't like this. Oh, no, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I go to the church, but yeah, I, I'm just a regular member. Everybody should have their hand put to the plow at something. Everyone should have their hand put to the plow doing something. Because let me, let me just, holy rant coming. Let me just tell you this. There are people that have been serving in various ministries, and we don't have one of those churches where this my thing and I've been doing it. No, no, we, we don't operate like that. We have people that have been in positions because they have been, they decided that they're going to yield their gift and they're waiting for someone else. They're waiting for other people to come and help and be of assistance and give up their gifts and give up their time and give up their abilities and give up their talents. Just because you see the same people working and stuff all the time don't mean they just, oh, yeah, this is my thing. No, 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 no. You can please help anytime. Anytime. We should always be willing to give when we come to the house of God. How can I give? How can I? Oh, Elder James, can I help set up some tables? Oh, can I help put out some chairs? Can I, can I help one of the ushers? Oh, I see, I see every Sunday after church, y'all pick up all the stuff throughout the aisles. How can I? Any way that you can help, any way that you can put your hand to the plow. I see the sound uh, technicians and engineers wiping down the mics. Any way God honors your heart to give. All right. We can and should gather with other believers to encourage someone who needs it and to stand strong 
against the tide of discouragement. That's what we should do. We gather together. I gave you a few reasons. I'll give you some more. We gather together to receive something from God. We gather together to give something to God. We gather together to encourage each other by our shared faith and values. At the end of service, a lot of us talk and do different things, and sometimes the porters got to turn the lights off several times for us to get out. Uh, but, but we're gathering together. We're fellowshipping. We're talking about the word. We're talking about our week. We're encouraging one another. We're uplifting one another. Nine times out of ten, y'all laughing and, and hugging and smiling, right? There may be some times where there's some prayer or some things going on up, up front and, and, and it's maybe very, very serious, which should happen and is okay to happen. But a lot of times we're smiling. We're laughing. We're having a good time because we're fellowshipping because we carry the same values and we have the same faith system. We gather together to bless one another. I am blessed when I see your presence in God's house. You know what blesses me? I'm going on another rant. You know what blesses me as a worship leader? When I see you singing the songs. When I see you engaged in worship. When I don't see your arms crossed. One of the most discouraging times as a worship leader was through COVID because everybody had mask on and everybody wasn't singing. And you were standing there and because you had the mask on, you felt like you had handcuffs on. So we had people that were in the building, but we didn't know if you were mannequins or humans. You know what blesses the praise and worship team when they see you engaged in praise and worship? You know what blesses the leaders of this house when they see you engaged in whatever it is that we're doing? Because we do this to edify one another and to bring glory to God's name. Some of the most powerful services that we have is when y'all get a hold of what's going on. I don't need a stage to worship. I worship in my shower every single day. I worship in my house all day long. I worship in my car all day long. God meets me wherever I am. But you know what happens when I come here and we as a collective group begin to get on the same wavelength and we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to all of us? That's when things begin to shift. I'm closing. I'm not going to be able to finish all of this right now. It's important that Christians gather together because things that work against their gathering must be regarded as serious dangers. It's important that we gather together, according to the text, and when things that prevent us from gathering together continually happen, we must regard that as a serious danger. Now, I know some people, they schedule stuff on purpose on times that we had church. We are praying for your deliverance. <laughs> you always got something. Yeah, we got this come, We got this on this date. Oh, yeah, I ain't gonna make it. I ain't even told you the date yet. 
Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I ain't going to be. Yeah, I got something going on that day. Yeah, we need volunteers. With, yeah, I ain't going to be there. I, you know, I just, yeah, you know, my work schedule is getting tough. And, and we make all this time for work. Who's your master? Who is your master? Yeah, you know, but you know, I, you know, little Junior, man, he got, he got basketball on Sunday and then he got football on Wednesday. Basketball and football season aren't even in the same time period. But you know, he getting ready, you know, cause he, you know he going pro. Hey, all, everybody going pro. All of y'all kids going pro. Just, okay. Somebody got to be the agent. <laughs> who's, who's reading the book? Somebody got to be a doctor. Somebody got to be a teacher. Somebody got to be a lawyer. So, somebody got to be a firefighter. I mean, come on now. Everybody ain't going pro. I don't know why I started talking about that. But things that prevent us from gathering should be considered serious dangers. High security threat levels. Okay, now this has happened too much, and you have to be able to recognize them on your own. Now, now this didn't happen too many times. Every time I'm trying to get to church on time, this train happens. Well, trains typically work on schedules. So maybe you need to leave a little earlier. Some stuff is the devil and some stuff is just common sense. You know what else is going to be beautiful? I'm just, I'm just, I'm about to get in all kind of trouble. You know what's going to be so beautiful? There's going to be a season that we're going to step into where it's going to be 830 and like everybody's going to be here already. It's going to be 845, and we're going to have to tell you, like, y'all better hurry up and sit down. Your seat ain't going to be, your, there's going to come a time where at 850, when it's, start, when it's time for us to start praying, y'all already going to be in here magnifying the name of the Lord, lifting up the name of Jesus, praying and interceding for the service. Y'all are going to be doing this. It's going to come a season. I, I'm believing it. I believe it. I, I see it. I see it before I see it. There's going to come a time where we're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, like the Bible says. We're going to be hungry and thirsty to be in the house of God because we have an expectation, just like many of those people did, the multitudes of people that would follow Jesus into desolate places. We're going to have that same level of expectation that something good is going to happen today. Something good is going to happen today. Everyone stand to your feet. We'll finish the rest of this on Sunday. Stand to your feet. Um, lift your hands. Heavenly Father, we just, God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word instructs us. Your word corrects us. Your word encourages us. Your word uplifts us. Your word sifts out and your word reveals you to us. God, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for your word. Now, Father, give us ears to hear and hands to do. Hands to put our bodies to give up of ourselves, to make ourselves a living sacrifice. Prepare us, as the song says, to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, God. But let this body that we ask to be a sanctuary be a, a, a spiritual GPS for people to attend the, the building, the tabernacle, the synagogue, the, the place where you dwell, the place called Bethel. God, let our bodies lead people to the ecclesia, the church, the governed body of Christ. As Matthew says, let our light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Let our lives be living examples of the goodness of God. Let our lives be living testimonies of God's goodness and his mercy. Let our lives be living examples of the love that God has for his people. God, change our hearts, God. Change our hearts towards the church. God, give us a deeper revelation so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth, in the beauty of holiness. Give us deeper revelation. Give us deeper understanding. Give us deeper So that we don't just do this to check it off our checkbox, but we do this because we have a heart for it and we value our community of brothers and sisters as we build one another up, stirring one another up, inciting, provoking one another to love and good works. It is our prayer that you will hear us and you will spark a flame within us. And there will be little fires everywhere so that the world can know that a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Our communities will be transformed because a city that is set on a hill because one church, God, one church believes that we can truly make an impact in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If this word was for you, just put your hands together. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.